Hello and welcome to Getaway Day. My name is Gautam, his name is Mason, and today is episode 83 of this podcast. Um, if you are listening and you enjoy this podcast on Twitch, uh, subscribe on your favorite podcasting app, YouTube, to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Make sure you let us know your thoughts in the YouTube comments, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or on Twitter and Facebook at Getaway Day Pod. Don't forget the notification bell on YouTube for the notifications. Mac, um, that subscribe button, ring that bell. Let's do it. So what's going on today, Mason? You ready for episode 83? Let free agency begin. Oh, dude, I am so excited for it. I broke out the free agency coffee mug. Which does say you make me a happy camper because I love free agency. It is probably the single best time of year because it's essentially the beginning of Christmas. It's shopping season. Exactly. Like, forget about Halloween. Forget about Thanksgiving. Those don't truly kick off the Christmas season. Baseball free agency does. So I'm here for it. We got our coffee. Let's have some fun. All right, so we're both ready to go. Um, Speaking of shopping season, we're going to be spending a decent amount of this episode talking about the top of the free agent class, so maybe the top uh, 10, 15, maybe 20, if we get that far, free agents. Um, But before that, we're going to kind of uh, take you through some of the, the recent transactions that have taken place over the last couple of weeks, I guess, maybe even a shorter span than that. Maybe maybe in the last week or so. Um, today was the roster uh, deadline for 40-man um, roster protection of minor league players. Uh, it was also the deadline for players to accept or decline their qualifying offer. Uh, and um, I guess Friday we've got the non-tender deadline coming up. And then it seems like free agency is really going to start start getting going here yeah Um, and something that just from kind of what we've seen here in the last like three four days it kind of feels like this offseason is a little bit different we've started seeing some guys who um have already kind of accepted new deals to to stay with their teams we've only seen one guy i think go to a new team on a uh full contract um but it kind of feels like as soon as we get to the uh, winter meetings here, uh, December 4th through the 7th, we might actually start seeing some movement of some players, and, which is going to be really fun. I know that's something yeah. we were talking about last week, but now that we've started seeing all these deadlines hitting and we've seen a couple guys sign, like it, it's kind of cementing that fact that this offseason feels different from offseasons in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's a good point so, because if you go back to last year, there was all the uncertainty about the lockout. Things were not really moving until right before the lockout actually started when there was a flurry of signings and there was no activity until months later when the lockout was finally resolved. And then you go back a year before that, it was coming off the shortened COVID season. So we haven't really seen what you would call a normal off season since after 2019. Um, this yeah. year is also important to note that it's the first year of the new CBA. So in past CBAs, we've seen a lot of free agent spending in the first year of a new CBA. So we'll see if that follows suit. Um, Let's get into these extensions though. 
for a bunch of relievers who who have uh, got some actually very huge deals. Edwin Diaz got a five-year, $102 million deal to remain with the Mets. Um, he's coming off an insanely good season, obviously. He struck out like 50% of the guys he faced. But would you give a reliever, any reliever, a five-year deal and feel comfortable about it? So based on past experience, no. <laughs> no. And no. In and fact, that's across I think, all relievers, I, basically. I ever. think the one that has like significantly burned me and uh gives me the most heartburn. I think it was only a four year deal, right? Brett, Brett Cecil? Brett, Brett Cecil, four year deal for oh, thirty God. million. But yeah, yeah, that, that that's was, the that same, was same same lines. Anytime you're giving a reliever a four year or five year deal, you really cannot expect that to go well. Um, I mean, you expect it to go well initially, but yeah. you're sort of just paying up to make sure you secure this guy. And um, the Mets obviously want want their lockdown closer back, but they they're going to be potentially like cringing by the third year or the, or the fourth year of this deal. Um, just if you just think about it, like they're paying the guy twenty million dollars a year. With that kind of money, you can go out and get some very solid, like starting pitcher, a big bat, maybe. Um, but you're giving it to a guy that basically pitches one inning every couple of days. He's locked okay. down for sure. But so yeah, and, and the the weirdest part about it to me is I would understand if. So this could potentially be six seasons. Yeah. Okay. So I would understand if the way that Edwin Diaz's contract was structured basically gave the team an out after three years, but no, what it does is it's three guaranteed years uh, of 17.25 mil in 23 and 24, 17 and a half mil in 25, then two 18 and a half million dollar player options uh, that have uh, both have to be decided on after 2025 and then the mets have a team option a club option of 17.25 for the sixth year or a one million dollar buyout i hope i like edwin diaz a lot i hope he proves me wrong but i do not see that that club option for the sixth year being picked up but the other part of it is that there is $26.5 million in deferred payments that he will be receiving payments until 2042. Yeah. So I guess so that Bobby Bonilla ends Edwin Diaz starts basically. Yeah. For sure. Um, and, and there's no real like precedent for these five-year deals for relievers going well. The guys that come to mind are our oldest Chapman in 2017. His is kind of showing exactly what we might see by the end of Diaz's deal. Like he was really solid. Chapman was really solid in the first few years of the deal, but the last few, he's really not been the same guy at all. It just happens. Um, I, I think along even even more surprising to me was the fact that Robert Suarez got a five-year deal for forty-six million dollars. He's he's what I think he's thirty-one years old already, and he just had his first season in the major leagues. It was no doubt it was a good season, but he is going to turn 32 before opening day. So he'll be 32 this season. So you want to be paying the 
37-year-old reliever um, in the fifth year of his deal. That's going to be interesting. I, I just don't understand that move by the Padres there to re-sign Suarez for five years. Yeah. Now, again, Suarez can opt out after 2025. So th- this is the weird bit. I, I completely understand these sorts of contracts if they're club options. Them being player options, I know why they're doing that, but it just, with relievers, it feels really odd because it just kind of gives you that yuck feeling like it's definitely going to be picked up yeah. and it's definitely not going to go well. I mean, already, how's Rysel Iglesias' contract going? It's going really well. That one's Isn't going it? well, but it's only been one oh. year. That's fair. So we don't know yet. And yeah. Fair enough. I'll I'll shut my trap now. Well, but well, but that's that's a good point. I I kind of forgot forgot about him from last year, but who knows how that's going to be looking in next year even. Yeah. These relievers so. they just don't don't have the lasting staying power really. Uh Rafael Montero also got a 3-year deal to remain with the uh the Astros for 3 years, 34.5 million. And that one doesn't really bother me as much. Now, it is a little bit odd that, um, well, maybe not odd. Uh, So he is 32 already. Uh, He actually just turned 32 uh, less than a month ago. Um, And so he'll be going into a three-year deal here with Houston. Um, Be 35 when he's done with that, but... Like that one doesn't feel as bad because it's only three years and it's only 10 mil each. Like it's a little bit Brett Cecil-esque, but even then that never really killed the Cardinals when that one went poorly. So like this is this is whatever. Five year 102 for Diaz if year four, five suck. That's a bit more of an issue. And Robert Suarez, his isn't really that much money, really AAV wise. So. Maybe it's really not as big a deal as we're thinking. Like Diaz yeah. is really the only one that's maybe could be a little bit of a uh, ankle weight on the Mets. Yeah, so. and and I guess it all depends on how Steve Cohen's actually going to operate here. Is he going to going to act kind of like the way he's talked that he's willing to spend basically whatever it takes to help the team, or is he going to just? kind of fall in line with the other big market teams, kind of like the Yankees and the Dodgers. They spend a lot, but they don't, they're not spending 50 million more than the next team or anything like that. Yeah. But this is year two of uh, uncle Steve doing exactly what he said. So let's see if he keeps following it up the rest of the off season. He's still got other free agents to sign back with the Grom and uh, Chris Bassett and Brandon Nimmo. Like he's, Plenty of- and there's and there's some other tempting guys that we'll talk about here in a bit. <laughs> right, maybe right. he's in on. So, all right, yeah. So let's move on from these relievers. Um, talk about some other guys that have uh, re-signed with their clubs. Anthony Rizzo back with the Yankees, uh, forty million guaranteed uh, with over two years and uh, club option for the third year. So I think Yankees fans really liked Rizzo. Rizzo really liked the Yankees. This seemed like a just a really solid fit. I never thought he was going to go anywhere else. No surprise that he he went back. Yeah, I mean once once you're a lefty with a short porch, you don't want to give up the short porch. It's a good place to be. Like, yeah, it's a great place to be. Right. And uh, him Manning first over there, like he just he kind of feels like a, a really good Yankee. 
just and he's kind of been that so far like i he was always like mr cub to me like obviously ernie banks is mr cub but he was the the modern, modern. day mr cub yeah um and then as soon as he went to the yankees it felt a little bit odd but he fits really well with that team like he's kind of a no nonsense guy he shows up he plays ball he plays ball well uh gives him a pretty decent defensive first baseman with lefty power so it kind of made perfect sense. He did get the opt out in his contract last year, but it, he basically just said, you know what? No, day one, come on, just give me a new deal and let's lock it in for a full two. Yep. So that deal makes so much sense. I love it. So, yep. Uh, same, pr- pretty much same thing with Clayton Kershaw. Like, there's not a whole lot to talk about. He's, he's basically going year to year. It seems like he just signed back for one year, 20 million with the Dodgers. No surprise there. Yeah, this one just feels like he doesn't really know how long he wants to stay in the league. So he's just going to keep doing what Wayno was doing. And as soon as he's like, ah, could be in a year now, just re-up one year deal. He's probably still going to be a Dodger for life, no matter how much Texas wants him to come over there. <laughs> but. Yep. Um, OK, here's one that's a little bit more interesting, maybe. So Tyler Anderson received the qualifying offer from the Dodgers. The qualifying offer had a value of $19.65 million. And the way Tyler Anderson rejected the qualifying offer was by signing a new deal with the Crosstown Angels for three years and $39 million. So he takes less money on an annual basis, but he gets the three years locked down. Um, he's coming off a career season with the Dodgers. I'm not sure... Angels can help them replicate that. They're not really known for <laughs> helping their pitchers succeed in any way, but like this is a nice little deal for him. And I, I like it for the Angels too, because he's he's a quality uh middle of the rotation starter. Yeah, so this deal and the next guy we're gonna talk about. So I'm gonna go ahead and bring him up now. Uh Martin Perez, who accepted a qualifying or accepted the qualifying offer of 19.35 mil. 19.65, yeah. 19.65 mil. Um, they're both kind of in similar situations. They're both like early 30s pitchers coming off a career year. Both were offered the qualifying offer. Tyler Anderson decided to take that and get three guaranteed years. Martin Perez decided to stay with his club and maximize money this year. And I kind of think that. I kind of like this for Tyler Anderson a little bit better than I like it for Martin Perez because both of these guys, if you look kind of historically, they, they kind of struggled with certain aspects of the game. Neither is a huge strikeout guy. Um, The home run has been an issue for them in years past this year. They both excelled at limiting the home run. Um, Tyler Anderson to the tune of a 0.71 homers per nine. And Martin Perez was, I think, sub 0.6, wasn't he? Like, it was ridiculously low. It was 0.5. It was Martin Perez's home runs per nine. Those are numbers that are not sustainable over a multi-year period. I mean, it, there's not very many people that are, have been able to do that when they're pitching the full season, 180 innings. So Tyler Anderson kind of, I think, it feels like he knew that it was not likely he was going to replicate exactly what he did this year. Although I do think he could still be a really, really valuable pitcher. Martin Perez bet on himself. It feels like 
So we'll see how it works out for both of them. I think both of them could be really good deals for the players, but I personally think the the Tyler Anderson is maybe the one that I would have taken in that case. Yep, definitely makes that makes sense. I don't really have anything else to add. One other guy who did accept the qualifying offer was Jock Peterson from the Giants. Uh, Jock actually had his best season of his career this past year. He's still like sort of a part-time player because he still struggles against left-handed pitching. Um, but he put up a 144 WRC plus this season, which is really actually amazing. Um, he had 23 home runs, um, hit 274, which is by far his the best he's ever done in a season. So, I mean, I, is this a new Jock Peterson? Like, is he having like a, late career uh, breakout here, or is this kind of like just a fluky kind of thing? And he's smart to accept the qualifying offer here, get his money. And uh, he probably wouldn't have done amazing in free agency, in my opinion. Yeah, it kind of feels like he was going to be one of those guys that kind of like he was last year, where it just took him a while to, well, I, I should throw out last year entirely. Uh, it feels like he was one of those guys that was not going to sign until like right before spring training, if if that. But um, yeah, like Jock Peterson's year this year was quite a bit different than his other uh, other years in in his career here. So he uh, in 433 abs, which is not considered a full time player. I think it's 505 to qualify for a batting title. Yeah. So. He wouldn't have qualified for any batting awards, but still 134 games, 433 plate appearances, and just at basically out hit every other season uh, of his career by a lot. The 274 average and pretty good OBP of 353. Like it, it doesn't feel like it's just a platoon situation necessarily. Like it feels like he, it, he benefited from a platoon while also being better in general. Because I don't think you could do that over 430 plate appearances just because of platoons. No, Can you? but I mean, the Giants do use platoons a lot. He only had uh, 49 at-bats against lefties in the season. Hit just two oh, well, home runs and 245, so. Well, then maybe he did, but <laughs> I don't know. It, it feels like he could probably repeat this, though. So, I mean... He put up what? What was his war? 2.1. So it. I think they used to estimate a war being about eight mil. It's probably higher now. But if you're estimating it at about eight mil, you're looking at what? Sixteen point four million dollars. So. Don't think it's too far off. No. So. And, and that's the thing with the qualifying offer. There's no such thing as like a bad one year deal, really. Yeah. That's why they offer these. Um. Anything else? Before I don't we get think into so. Free agents. No, I I think we just get into the free agents. Okay, let's do it. Obviously, the the top of the free agent market. We have to start with Aaron Judge, and the question: Will the Yankees pay up for this guy who went out and uh, bet on himself? Didn't accept the initial Yankees offer earlier this season or before the season went out, had a historic year, um, likely MVP season. 
is another team gonna try to like drive up the price at least or can they swoop in and get this guy so i'm actually going to ignore your question temporarily and pose a different question and then i'll come back to that okay is aaron judge actually the number one free agent um if you're going by results from last year absolutely yeah, I should have mentioned that I'm going strictly off the uh, Fangraphs top 50 free agents article from November 7th, where they've kind of uh, come up with estimates for what these guys are going to get and their own ranking of the free agents. I don't think Aaron Judge is the number one free agent, and I can go into a lot of reasons why. And kind of the main reason is his age and probably what he's asking for. He's 31 years old. Uh, he's probably looking for a seven plus year contract. And we know that these big guys do not necessarily hold up so well. I mean, just look, just look at his teammate, Giancarlo Stanton. Exactly. Who's not even that old. Oh. He's what? 33 now. I think he's so. already kind of showing his age here. So judge is another guy who you're, if you give him a big contract, you're basically hoping that he holds on to MVP form for like two or three more years and then doesn't decline like precipitously. But you're taking on a major risk that he's just completely useless in the second half of the contract. Yeah, and there's a there's a point probably pretty early. I say pretty early. In the first half of a long-term deal where you consider moving him to full-time DH to get him off his feet, keep him a little bit healthier so he's not hit or crashing into walls, not diving. But he is a really, really good defender in center field. So it, it's one of those that like you want to. You want to use him in the field because of how good he is. And with Stanton, you it, you kind of have to put Stanton DH anyway, so you're a little screwed there. But to maximize your contract value with Aaron Judge, you almost have to keep him out of the field in about a year or two. Um, as for the question you actually posed to me, it does kind of feel like there's no way he goes anywhere else. I think there's teams that want him. I don't think there's teams that are willing to give him more than about five years that are not the Yankees. And I think the Yankees will go out and give him eight, nine years just to lock him up. Um, and they'll be paying for past performance. It's inevitable. They're going to be. Um, but if you're a team like the Yankees, do you care? Uh, I think this is one of the cases where you can't care. You just got to do everything it takes to bring back your superstar. And and the other thing that makes me think that they're going to do it is Hal made a public statement of potentially bringing back the captain tag to put it on Aaron Judge. So... We'll we'll see if that's tempting at all. I don't yeah. know that it's really. I mean, it would be cool to be recognized as the Yankees captain. But. Yep. OK, so this one's just for fun. Just give me any team in the major leagues. Uh, just put Aaron Judge on that team and just like describe that to me. Anything describe it how just describe however you want, like how how oh, you would fit gosh. on the team. Um what it would look like basically. Okay. Hear me out. Chicago White Sox. Okay. I think bring in, bringing in a new manager, 
someone who's been outside the building for the entirety of their career, bringing him in with Luis Robert, with um, uh, Eloy Jimenez, um, if they can get Jose Abreu back, um, Yoan Moncada over at third base, Andrew Vaughn, like you're starting to build a really, really good hitting team. You actually have, and Tim Anderson, thank you. So your only hole is really second base, which has been a hole for a while for them. And outfield um, is a major hole, I would say. Well, that's why you have Aaron Judge. Yeah. Because now you have hole. now you have Luis Robert and Aaron Judge. You can potentially think about putting Aloy at full time DH. They have too many DHs is their problem. I know, but, but you but Aaron you Judge can, fixes that issue. Right Aaron now. Judge Aaron Judge helps fix that issue. I think you can put Aaron, or uh, Andrew Vaughn out in left field, maybe, and he could do a pretty solid job. Aloy just needs to never touch the field again. So I think you could build a really, really good team with Aaron Judge on that White Sox squad. Like so it. that's what, definitely a good fit. What team would you go with? Well, I was talking about it before. Well, yeah, and but this one's not realistic at all, but I'll say it anyways. Aaron Judge on the Guardians. There's no other team I don't think in Major League Baseball that needs Aaron Judge more than the Guardians because yeah. of their lack of power. They've got good pitching. They've got a great bullpen. We saw it in the postseason. They've they got get on pretty base. good young players. They, they get on base. They make a lot of contact. They need a big bopper in the lineup that can mash some bombs, and that's Aaron Judge. And they need an outfielder. And they need an outfielder. So, so I don't know. It, okay. it just feels so. Aaron Judge is going to make any team better, pretty much. There, I can't think of a single team that gets worse adding Aaron no, Judge. He's the MVP. Yeah, yeah. He fits on every team. Yeah, exactly. But it does kind of feel like that division. He could pretty much take a team from being. I don't want to say irrelevant because Cleveland just won the division and, and I just put them on the White Sox who have been decent, just underperforming the last couple of years. But like, I feel like even if you put them on like the Royals, the Royals improve by like 10 wins. Yeah. So, well, eh, maybe not. They, they don't really have a whole lot else going on, but Bobby Witt Jr. And him, that'd be fun. All right, so I guess the last question I have for you on Aaron Judge is how long does he actually get? He's getting 300 mil. I I have no doubt in my mind about that. If he's getting 300 mil, then he's definitely getting at least seven years. I can see that. And I I do think some team is going to do, whether it be maybe a team like the Giants that has been rumored to be going after big free agents or just going back to the Yankees, which seems like the most likely thing. But like we were saying with Freddie Freeman a year ago, like everyone thought the guy was going to sign back with the Braves and he didn't. So it's not rule out that's, another team. That's, that's very fair. So. Okay. Let's move on to the number two guy on, on fan list, Trey Turner, 30 year old shortstop uh, coming off. Uh, I wouldn't say like a down season, but it wasn't, quite what he did in 2021 um, showing some slightly concerning trends in terms of like the contact that he's making um, kind of striking out more than he did in 21. The power wasn't the same, um, but I really like Trey Turner just because he's a really well-rounded player. Like he does, 
there's nothing he's bad at. He's got some power. He's got a lot of speed. He plays solid defense. He's got a really good hit tool. I mean, this seems like a player that's going to, like, he's the opposite of Aaron Judge. He's going to age very well, I think. So I'm going to slightly disagree with you on something you've said. I don't really think that his season this year was too much different from the season in 21. I think the only big difference you see is in his power. Um, 21 home runs and 708 plate appearances versus 28 and 646. But his strikeout rate is still right around his career average. It was 18.5 versus 17 and 21. Um, but every year, with the exception of short in 2020, he's been between... 17 and 199 getting rid of his 27 game 2015. Um so I don't think the strikeouts are really a big thing. His his average was down under 300, but we've seen that before. Um the steals are still there, still on base a lot. I I don't know. I I think the power is really the only thing that really dropped off this year. And yeah. and part of that is that his hard hit rate was down. Right. Um I'm definitely picking nits with him. Like, I think he's a great player. I think a lot of teams should be really interested in giving him a long-term deal. Like I said, I think he's going to, he's going to hold his skills deep into his thirties. I think so. I'd be fine giving a guy like Turner seven years, um, as opposed to judge. Yeah. Yeah. And so this definitely feels a lot more like the, excuse me, the, um, well, I guess it would be kind of right in between the Seager Simeon contracts and what you saw in like Story and Baez. Like, because uh, it was that was what, 10 years versus five or six? All uh, right. Yeah. So Seager got the 10 year contract and then Baez and Story got six year contracts. Yeah. What was Simeon's again? Was it eight? Simmons was seven. Seven? Yeah. That kind of feels like what we're looking at here, in my opinion. Now, the question is. Which one of the 800 teams that need a shortstop is it going to be? Because the Dodgers are out of shortstop right now, but there's a bunch of others on the market. The Twins are out of a shortstop right now. We'll talk about the incumbent here in a minute. Um, You got teams like the Cardinals, who really only have a few holes left in their roster, mostly pitching, but they say they want to spend more money. Are they going to go after a catcher? Are they going to go after a shortstop? There's plenty on the market. Like It would be stupid not to at least ask. Um, I was going to say Houston, but that's dumb. Uh, There's plenty of teams that need a shortstop. Yeah. And like, even, even the Yankees, like they have, they showed a lot of, um, faith in, uh, Oswaldo Cabrera and Oswald Peraza, their late last season and coming into the postseason. Um, but who's to say that they don't have Cabrera play left field, bring in a big free agent shortstop, maybe move Peraza. Um, they've got Volpe in the system. Like they've got shortstops galore. They could potentially trade uh, uh, Peraza and bring in Trey Turner, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, which I th- I think that point is going to be the same with all four of the shortstops that we talk about. But I don't know. It it does feel like Trey is maybe, I'd say maybe the second most desirable of the shortstops though. I don't think he's, I think he's second, but he's also, 
he feels like the safe one of the safest maybe like I just yeah. don't see him completely busting even when he's like 35. I feel like he's he'll be a solid player then. He's so elite in so many categories for a shortstop that it feels like even if a couple fall off, he's still going to be incredibly valuable having two or three that he still excels at. Mm-hmm. Like if his steals fall off from 30 down to like 10, oh well. Yeah. But. Okay, so Fangress has uh, Carlos Correa as the next guy on the list, number three. He is the youngest of the shortstop free agents. Um, after sort of after he tested free agency last year and ended up signing the three-year deal with the Twins with the opt-out, he did opt out. I don't think people realize what a fantastic season Carlos Correa actually had with the Twins this past year. He was worth every penny of the thirty-five million that he made. Uh, he put up what a five-war season. Uh, F war four point four. war season in just 136 games. He had a couple fluky, weird injuries, like with the finger or something. He still had almost 600 plate appearances. Yeah. So, Um, but um, basically, he he's he put up a great season. 140 WRC plus. Walked 10% of the time. Struck out just 20% of the time. the defensive metrics didn't really like him this year, but in the past he's been an elite shortstop defender. Um, what do you think about Correa, and, and why is he a better free agent than Turner? So, uh, first and foremost is age. I, I think those extra two years of being in his uh, his physical prime is going to be huge, especially at a physically demanding position like shortstop. Um, plus with him being such a highly rated defensive shortstop for so long. And by the way, he's had a couple of down seasons defensively. Um, 2019, 2017 weren't really the greatest, um, defensively, but I mean, we still recognize him as being possibly the best defensive shortstop in the league. So I wouldn't really be too concerned with how the defensive metrics didn't like him this year in particular. Um, but I mean, the dude is a pretty consistent 280, 290 hitter with 20 bombs, he, a low strikeout rate, a pretty high walk rate, and a really good defender at 28 years old. Like, the only difference between him and Trey, in my opinion, is the two years of age. And the steals, but eh, whatever. The steals are the steals, right? They, they don't yeah. necessarily like impact the total value in many ways. Correa is a better hitter than Turner because he's got better on base skills and and better power. I think. Yeah. Although to be honest, the last couple of years, they've been about the same power wise. Sort of, but well, at least in, in overall total. Yeah. Home run total and ISO. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But I do, I do like Correa to get a 10-year deal somewhere in, in the realm of that uh, um, Corey Seager, 300 million, 10-year. Do you think he breaks that, the 325 million of Seager? I think he might. I think he could, um, especially with the uh, the way that the CBA is structured and the luxury tax going up every year now uh, over this, this CBA. Um I feel like he could break it. Although I guess technically Seager signed his after the lockout. 
Ooh, you're, you're quizzing me here. I don't remember. I think yeah, it might have been either. right before, maybe. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't All remember. I know is they spent half a billion dollars on their middle infield. So we're so. slowly talking about like a few candidates for these top shortstops. We've talked about Turner now and Correa. Let's talk about a couple other teams that could be looking to employ services. One being the Cubs, who are in on every shortstop, top shortstop, the four guys, Correa, Turner, Bogarts, and Swanson. Um, and it makes sense. They need kind of a big bat in their lineup. They're missing the star power, and they've got it, the money to spend. And the Cubs were in on Correa last year too, right? Uh, it seemed that way, but it also seemed like they weren't willing to give the years. So that might come into play again here. Because you're saying Korea might get the 10-year contract. I'm not sure the Cubs are willing to do that. And, so, uh, to that point, I don't think we've talked about the guy that will end up on the Cubs. Personally. I, I think I know who it'll be out of the four if they end up getting one. And I don't think it's one we've talked about yet. Bogarts? Nope. Swanson? I think it's Swanson. I'm, I won't be happy about that, about that, but we can talk about that when we get to Swanson. Well, I, I didn't ask you. This was my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but like you, you've got a couple other teams that obviously need uh, need shortstops that I haven't even Orioles? mentioned yet. If we if we can throw out some unusual teams, like when are the Orioles going to spend a little money here? They've got they're starting to build a very nice young core, but at some point you have to sign a free agent, right? We talked about Mike Elias not having signed a guy other than Jordan Lyles to a multi-year deal in, in his tenure, which is now stretching multiple years with the Orioles. At some point, you got to supplement with superstar talent. Yeah, I mean, their estimated payroll for next year right now is $41 million. And I haven't heard their name come up in any rumors for any free agents. I haven't either, but that's that's a really good point that I completely forgot about. Like the one thing I'm, (laughs) the one thing that I'm thinking is do they have a young shortstop prospect that they really like? And I think the answer is yes. I'm trying to remember who it was though. They Um, have uh, the guy that they called up at the end of last year. uh, Gunner. Yeah. Gunner Henderson, but he might be more of a third baseman or a second baseman. I, I mean, no one can block Carlos Correa. Like, well, true. Than I, I was just trying have. to figure out if they had anybody that was like right on the precipice, and and no. it sounds like no. Um, yeah, I mean, they really should be in on these guys, and, and they should be in on the big one. Like, they had such a surprisingly good year this year. Brandon Hyde was was in the running for manager of the year, didn't end up winning it. Uh, we'll talk about that next week. Spoiler alert. Um, but they, yeah, they played really well this year when they really should not have. Uh, this kind of feels like the um, Mariners team of last year. Like, you knew that they were going to be good soon. You just didn't think it was going to be as soon as it was. And when I say good, I mean better. Then, obviously... The Mariners went out, spent some money, made some big trades this year, made the postseason. Next year, I kind of feel like they're going to repeat that. 
I feel like the Orioles, after being this bad this long, should start to follow in the footsteps of teams who had success that they didn't expect to have and then just go all in and try and improve drastically really quick. And so they have the money. I mean, it's Baltimore. It's a pretty big market. $41 million projected uh, salary next year. I mean, double it with a shortstop. Go yeah. get a big, go get a big starter. Yeah, and the start the, building your team. The mention of the like the the salary, right? There's an important point about like free agency that some of these teams don't get or they are unwilling to participate in. Like the one that keeps coming to mind is like the Royals. The Royals seem to make some various moves in in off seasons past. They'll they'll buy a couple players for like ten million AAV, like fifteen million maybe. Two fifteen million dollar players does not equal one thirty million dollar Carlos Correa. That's like yeah. just just critical to understand um, why these top guys that we're talking about here, your Correas and your Turners and your Judge, why they're so important. They they just like completely change what your team can do um, just out of one roster spot. So, uh, for example, if, if you... Uh, let, let's just take the Orioles, for example, right now with, with what we've already talked about. Would you rather have... And, and I want a, a brief 20-second explanation as to why. Would you rather have this Orioles team with just Carlos Correa added or this Orioles team with Andrew Benatendi in the outfield... And uh, uh, maybe, well, shoot, find me a good one. And like Gene Segura being added to their middle infield. That did not even get you halfway to what Correa gives you, I don't think. Okay, so now let's add like uh, Jamison Tyone to the rotation along with those two. Are we there yet? No. Okay, what about adding Taylor Rogers to the bullpen? So we're adding four guys. Are we there yet? No, you're making it worse, I think. (laughs) Oh, well, this is awkward. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, then at that point, you're spending even more money to get less impact. Yeah, Exactly. Like, that's that's exactly what I was getting at. But so. No, yeah, that's no, that's a good, good exercise there. Um, How about we move on to a guy that's going to command a ridiculous amount on an average annual basis? Jacob right, DeGrom, 35 years old. Um, when he pitches, he's the greatest pitcher anyone's ever seen, basically. The key is keeping this man on the mound and keeping his uh, body in in functional form for pitching the way he yeah. does. I believe he started 22 games in the last two years combined. Sounds about right. Uh, 26, my bad, 26. Uh, for a hundred and... 156 innings. So, but in that time frame, he pitched to a 14.28 Ks per nine, a 1.1 walks per nine, a like 0.8 home runs per nine, uh, a ground ball rate of over 40%, uh, 7.1 war. Like, 
7.1 war and under like a season's worth of starts, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this guy, I mean, he deserves like the contract he's going to get. I'm, I'm guessing he's not going to be out here getting a five-year deal. He's probably going to get a three-year deal that breaks uh, Max Scherzer's record for AAV from last year, which was like $43 million per season. But okay. what team do you think uh, is a fit for him in terms of like, they, it's probably a team that wants to win right now. Is a fit for him. I think we're getting a little too obvious on who I'm about to say, because you and I have been talking about like what I think my Cardinals need to do in this off season. And the two things they need is a catcher and starting pitching. And the starting pitching on this club is all pitch to contact. There is no swing and miss, no whiff, no nothing. Getting a guy like Jacob deGrom is the dream. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm just going to throw gonna that happen out there. Because the Cardinals never, I've never heard of them spending more than any other team. Correct. For a top three um, agent. Correct. So it's not going to happen, but that's the fit is a team like the Cardinals that has a lot of ground ball guys, has a good defense behind him, but you need a different look. You you need something to get you over that hill because you make the playoffs, then you do nothing there. Like, this is a guy that can take you from being that team to being a championship team. Even if he's only pitching half the season. So if you've got pitching depth to, to fill those starts that he misses... You're probably in pretty good shape. And the Cardinals have depth. It's not like it's nothing that you're going to look at and go, oh, my God, they have so many pitchers that are dominant. What? No, it, they've got like five number five starters. But it'll get you innings. Yeah. So adding a guy like DeGrom would be ideal. There's a guy in a few that I think is the better fit monetarily who kind of does the same thing, but we'll get to him in a minute. But what do you think about Jacob DeGrom getting the 2021 or sorry, 2022 Carlos Correa deal with an opt out? Yeah, that, that seems to make sense. Like just get an absolutely massive, maybe like $50 million. Well, I, I'm thinking even just the exact same deal, three year, 45 per year with an opt out after each year, 35 per year. Oh, there's 35. Oh, 45 a year then. Uh, yeah, I guess I could see that. And if he stays healthy throughout the season, he can, uh, go back to free agency. He will be 36 at that point, but I feel like if he, if he is healthy for a season, he's going to put up fantastic performance and numbers. At which point 45 mil, not, not a problem. Crazy. Yeah. So, I, I'm, I'm sort of struck. Like Cardinals make a lot of sense. I agree. That's like a really ideal fit. I'm struggling to come up with other teams that are going to want to do that. But going back to the Mets also seems pretty likely. Yeah. And I mean, the Mets are down a couple starters right now, so they're yeah, going to have to sign got, someone. Got to fill probably. those spots. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it makes too much sense for him to go back, but a, a team like the Cardinals is, is one of those teams that makes a lot of sense. I mean, another team that maybe could make some sense. It's not going to happen. It would be really cool to see him on the Mariners. Like, there's just all these teams that are good but not great. Because he wants to win, so you already have to be a good team. Um, a, a team like the Giants, not really going to be a fit because no one really knows what they're going to do next year. So, like, maybe the Padres make sense, but they're 
their payroll is already really high. So I don't think they're going to spend the money. Um, the Dodgers could always do it. Yeah. The Yankees could always do like the all the typical teams are going to be the ones that are in it. But the ones with the best fit are the ones who probably aren't going to want to spend the money. Yeah, that happens for sure. So. All right. Um, next guy is sort of similar in that he's a ace pitcher, Justin Verlander, who's 40 going to be 40 this next season coming off uh, probably a Cy Young season. Just won the world series at the Astros. Um, what is this man looking for? Exactly. He's got the championships. He's got all the money in the world. He probably just wants some more money and more championships. I, I think he wants more championships. I, there's really nothing else that like he's got an MVP. He's got Cy Young's. He's got World Series rings. Like the only other thing that you could do other than just saying I want to be in the record books and keep pitching till I'm 45 is win more championships. So look for him to go back to a team that's going to do it. And I I wouldn't be surprised if he just went right back to the Astros on a bigger deal. Yeah. I I was like, kind of surprised that he didn't like already sign it sign back quickly with them, but maybe I mean, I, I'm sure he's going to court offers from other teams. Just kind of see what's out there. Cause it would be cool to bring a championship to another club now. Yeah. I don't see why not. Like he could go play yeah. with the Yankees. He could go. I could see him going to the Dodgers easily. Like that. Just, yeah. That just feels like a fit. Um, how many years yeah. do you think Verlander gets? Does he get like a two year deal again? Or does he maybe go for something longer, like a three year deal? So I would not be surprised if the rest of his career was made up of two-year deals with opt-outs between. Just like he had this past year. Yep, exactly what he had this past year, just kind of doing that on repeat until he's done. Yeah, and I, you know, if he does do that kind of structure, then he should be able to get like a massive payday out of it. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. But. Yeah, and his his teams obviously all the same that we just described with with Degrom. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Okay, our third shortstop um, of our top shortstops here is Xander Bogarts, who has opted out of his deal with the Red Sox, declined the qualifying offer. Obviously, uh, he's thirty years old. Uh, is Bogarts, uh, are you worried about Bogarts' loss of power this season, long-term? Because he did sort of fall off in that department. Yeah, I, I mean, yes. Uh, short answer, yes. Um, especially once you start getting to, and I hate saying this because this is a really dumb, antiquated way to say this. Uh, as soon as you get to the wrong side of 30, if you start seeing that, that power fall off, it's kind of scary. Um, this is the first time that he's been under 20 home runs in a full season since, uh, 2017. Yeah. So Um, years. Yeah. And so that's not something that gives you a whole lot of feel good. It it doesn't make you feel good. Um, I kind of think that is going to probably deflate the value of his contract. I think he's probably only going to get five year deal. I think a five, six year deal. Javi Baez, Trevor story style. Um, I can see that. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. I mean, 
let's not forget that this guy's a really good hitter, though, even if he doesn't have the power. Uh, pretty near the – I don't know if he won the batting title, but he was pretty darn close. Uh, basically hits 300 every year. Um, those walk and strikeout rates are just, like, very consistently the same and very, very good. Uh, he put up a 6-4 season this year, even with that limited power. The yeah, defensive and- numbers are really good, too. I mean – there were like questions about whether this guy was going to stick at shortstop and he sort of answered them by having a really good season there. Yeah. And in the projection systems that we've started seeing, uh, put out their projections already like steamer, uh, and what's the other one? F GDC. Um, it's steamer again, basically, but Oh, it is. Okay. Um, they're, they're basically expecting, uh, expecting Bogarts to be back at that 20 home run territory. So like projections don't seem to be too concerned about the loss of power. They don't think he's going to be a 30 home run guy again, but then again, he's 30 years old. So I wouldn't be expecting that either. And he's only been a 30 home run guy one year and it was in 2019. So yeah, take that so, with a grain of salt. Juice ball. Juice ball. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Xander I really like Xander. I, I think his, his fits are maybe a little bit different than, uh, than the fits that we were talking about for like Correa and Turner. I feel like he's one of those guys who could go to one of these teams. That's not going to spend as much money. He feels like he would be a really good fit on the Cardinals. He feels like from a year standpoint, he's going to be a really good fit for the Cubs. He feels like he'd be a good fit on, on uh, the Mariners who, if they want to improve their team, as much as I love JP Crawford, that's probably the position to improve, move JP over to second bring in Xander to short. Like those are kind of the teams that I see in the running for Bogarts along with whoever misses out on the other two. And along with the Boston Red Sox who have just gobs of money to spend. And they probably want to retain this guy as well as um, extending Rafael Devers. Like why, why wouldn't they want to bring him back? I don't know why. Exactly. So, and they should be, I guess, unless he wants out or something, they should sort of be the leader, I think, to bring them back. Yeah, and like they're not paying JD anymore, so they've got that money too. Oh, oh yeah, so. JD's a free agent, right? Yep. Forgot about that. Okay, we got one more shortstop to go, but first, one more pitcher, Carlos Rodon, who held up all year with the Giants on his one-year deal. Actually, it wasn't a one-year deal; it was like a three-year uh, deal opt-out, I think. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So he opted out of that. Um, This guy, when he pitches, he's like, he's so much fun to pitch. He's very, uh, very feisty, strikes everyone out, um, throws like ridiculously hard left-handed pitcher. I mean, there's a lot to like here, has terrible health history every year of his career, except for last year. So that's always a concern with this guy. Um, Well, he's had, he's had two years that he was pretty healthy. What are the two years? The last year with the White Sox and then this year healthy. with the Giants. It wasn't healthy it was, by the end. It was more healthy than other years of his career. <laughs> yes, but... This is the guy that I want the Cardinals to sign and that I think they can. Yeah. Just, um, just know that it's going to take a five-year deal probably worth over $20 million per year. So Yeah. Um, but he's still a high strikeout guy. He doesn't really walk a ton of batters. He's He's been really... He's been a different pitcher here the last two years than he was early in his career. And the type of pitcher he is right now is exactly 
what this Cardinals team needs. Yep. He's got yep. about the same injury risk level as Jacob deGrom, but he comes at a discount because he's not the best pitcher you've ever seen when he's on the field. He's just a really, really, really good one. Yeah, not much of a discount, so, I will say, though. Medium, medium consorts here on Fangas has him getting five years and $135 million. So that's more than Robbie Ray got, more than Kevin Gosman got last year. So you're paying a that's, lot. That's true. So unless you can somehow work in the deal some really interesting clauses to limit the money if he gets hurt, but he's not going to accept that deal. So uh, the, the market should be re- very strong for him, I think. Because yes. there's just a lack of um, frontline Elite starting pitcher. pitchers who are not like 35 plus years old in Verlander and DeGrom. This guy's like prime pitcher age. He's 30 years old. Yeah. Although I will say I would be more confident in projecting a season for Verlander and DeGrom than I would in Carlos Rodon. Even though they're. They have their own issues with being like being able to reliably project them to true but their track record is longer of doing what they've been doing for sure yeah. so but you're not giving those old guys five-year contracts that's the difference no too. no you're not which which is the biggest thing is like you're limiting your exposure if it goes poorly whereas with a five-year deal with with no club options on it, which is what you're going to have to do for Rodon. There's a lot of exposure there if it goes poorly. So we'll see. But I I, I do think that he deserves every bit of the contract he's going to get. Just saying that with past history, got to be a little bit cautious. Mm-hmm, for so. Sure. Okay. Our fourth uh, big shortstop. I think he's a clear step rung below the other three not that he's a bad player i actually like him a lot he's a he's a cool guy uh dansby swanson age 29 um coming off career season with the braves this is like the one braves core piece that they have not extended if i find out tomorrow that he signed like an eight-year contract for like 100 million dollars or something with the braves i'll be like how how does alex Anthopoulos do this but that's probably not going to happen. There's probably a reason why he hasn't signed that free agent contract or that extension with the Braves because he's looking to test free agency and he, he really had his platform season here and he was rated out as the best defensive shortstop uh, in 2022. So he's got that going for him. He's got a lot of things going for him. What and do you think about Dansby? So I think I'm higher on Dansby than you are. I, I understand why you think he's a step below like a guy like Xander Bogarts. He strikes out more. Um, his average, I think, is is a bit quite a bit lower uh, than Xander. His power has been. Yeah, his power has been pretty consistent at uh, about a 25 homer per season guy since about 2019. If you extend that out to full seasons worth of games. Like, and and he's been a really, really good defensive shortstop. I think the problem that a lot of people are going to have with him is that he's 29 or he's going into his age 29 season. So you're going to start to look for his power to drop off because his contact numbers aren't quite as good. His OBP numbers aren't quite as good. Yeah. 
Actually, you, yeah, that's a the, the K rate there. He's way worse than the other three guys. Those guys are all very good at at making contact, and he has always kind of struggled with that. Even in his really good season this year, he still struck out like 26% of the time. Yeah, and when Dansby was a prospect, he was a essentially a five-tool prospect. And he's not really lived up to that per se. His hit tool has kind of been hit or miss. Um, and that strikeout rate is a pretty big part of that, I think. Yep. Um, and it's kind of just gotten worse over the last couple of years, too. Because, I mean, the first bit of his career, he was down at about a 22, 23% K rate. Now he's up to about 26, 27. Um, but even still, he's been having his most productive seasons at the plate. Um, still like a 10 to 15 steal a year guy plus defender. I don't think he's as big of a step down as, as people think, because I think his defense holds him up. Defense Um, holding him up. Yeah. I've heard that argument a lot, but I, it doesn't get you money. Yeah. But you, I, I think it does get you money actually. Like I'm going to, I'm going to make a comp here. um, That's very close to me. So you talk about like defense and like, I agree. Swanson's like really good defensively. Maybe he's the best. Maybe he's like on Correa's level of the four shortstops, but are you going to give a guy a seven year contract because of his defense an eight year contract because of his defense? Oh God. And he's maybe like just an okay hitter. I mean, in 2021, in 2021, um, Dansby Swanson had a 99 WRC plus. This past season was his just his second season where he's had a WRC plus above 100, um, and it was just 116. So he's not like a superstar well, hitter. And, and his other, you got to look at what year it was because it's a little bit of a 2020 there. So 60 games in 2020. So yeah, there's that, and a 116 is not. He's just think about him in his own lineup on the Braves. He's maybe like the fourth or fifth best hitter in the lineup. Because that's that's true. So Dansby is a lot more of the the old style shortstop, in my opinion. He's defense first, and he he is a good hitter, but he's not. He's a supplementary piece. He's not the guy that is your main star player on your team. It, yeah, which is which is why he reminds me of like a uh, mid two thousands. Well, I was just thinking like a <laughs> mid two thousand shortstop, where like, yeah, he has twenty homer power. That's something you didn't have back then. But the entire rest of his game, he would have fit in really, really well in like two thousand five to two thousand and twelve as being like the best shortstop in the league. Now, because of the way that the position has changed, you've started seeing more power and contact and getting a lot more five tool guys that have been playing short because it's they're looking at it more as an offensive position than a defensive position. Um, it, it generally not all the time. I mean, obviously, we've got Correa and Turner who are five tool guys. Um, but yeah, I think that's why he doesn't look as good now is because the position is basically changed. But so now can I make my Jason Hayward comp here? Yes. <laughs> okay. So who is still owed $22 million next year to not to play, not for, the play for the Cubs? Yeah. So, but isn't this the Jason Hayward situation in many ways? Hayward was coming off his best offensive season 
in 2015 with the Cardinals. And he it's still was obviously, to say, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just awful. And um, no, I was super excited about Hayward um, signing with the Cubs because it just seemed like he uh, Hayward was a little bit different. He was he was a really young free agent. He was like 27, um, and you know, great defender and everything. But he had never put up superstar offensive numbers, and that's what I see with Swanson. Uh, Correa had a really good season. He put up like a 140 WRC plus. This guy's at the 116 level. That's not well. That's in, not in franchise Correa, level. And Correa did it while people also thought he was having a poor season. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, I, I'm actually going to help further your comp here. Um, Jason Hayward was a number one prospect that was supposed to be a five tool guy. <laughs> the Braves the hit tool never came around it came around for one year that Dansby was the number one prospect in baseball five tool guy I mean hell his uh his prospect report from 2017 55 hit 45 game power 50 raw power 60 speed 60 field 60 throw 65 future value like I think it's pretty safe to say the hit tool probably more around a 40 the game power, okay, yeah, I can see that. The field, yeah, absolutely. But like it he starts looking more like a 50, 55 future value if you're going on grading him today. So yeah, like it just it does feel like the Jason Hayward situation. Pretty much exactly. Uh, which is why I think he's a really good fit for the Chicago Cubs. I don't think they're gonna make that mistake twice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why Jed's so scared to give out eight-year contracts. No. They might do it. You don't know. <laughs> um, okay. So what we got left here. In the essence of time, I vote Let's, we skip number nine and we go to number ten, and then we. Oh come on! Let, let's get them both. Let's let's do it. All right. Uh, rapid fire, Brandon Nimmo. Okay, Brandon Nimmo is clearly the top center field uh, free agent. He's thirty, coming off a great season with the Mets. Let's see if Uncle Steve uh, likes to spend up for him. Median crowdsource from uh, Fangrass has him getting five years, a hundred million. That seems that seems reasonable. Center field is a very tough position because the drop off from Nimmo to like whoever the next center field free agent is is just absurd. It's a cliff. There's no good free agents out there. Yeah, so I guess I don't really understand how. 16 homer power because he's an on-base machine is it the walk rate that holds him up as high as it does Oh yeah definitely okay because i was gonna say like it just he kind of just looks like another kevin kiermeyer another harrison bader but i guess if if his if his walk rate is what what keeps him so highly rated yeah that makes sense but I don't know. It just it doesn't feel to me that he is really that big of a free agent. It just I don't know. You got to think about how bad center fielders are at hitting. Are, should we do the scene from Moneyball? Because he gets on base. Yeah, we might need that. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, look at the WRC plus this guy has put up in his career. Um 89 in his rookie season 118 148 115 149 137 134 so basically every year he's been better than Dansby Swanson's best season but 
he's only had two seasons where he's had over 400 plate appearances. That's true. Yeah. Injury has been a major issue for Nimmo this year. He was able to stay healthy all year. So um, that's something to keep an eye on too. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I still think judge is the, the clear number one center field free agent. If he's a center fielder, I would, I would put him in right field. I would also put him in right field, but I feel like if you need a center fielder, I'd still look at him first. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we'll finish up with our last free agent here. The number 10 ranked by Fangraphs, Wilson Contreras, 31-year-old catcher. Um, and in a lot of ways, in, in a lot of ways, I think he's maybe the most interesting free agent. I don't think he's the best free agent. I don't think he's the one that is the flashiest, but I think he could be the most interesting fit or the most interesting guy to follow and see where he fits and ends up. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's not interesting about him is that he is a 31 year old catcher and we know how catchers age very well. And and the other free agent catcher is a 32 year old defensive catcher so you have a 31 year old offensive catcher in wilson Contreras, and then a 32 year old defensive catcher in christian vasquez and these are the two guys that are basically going to i thought christian vasquez was an offensive catcher he is not surprisingly kind of is hey kind of but he, he no. hits better than mo- more than half the league like, and he's still deemed a defensive catcher by most people um but yeah, like these these two guys are kind of uh, similar yet different. Like Christian Vasquez is regarded for his defense and how well he can lead a staff. Wilson Contreras is is mostly regarded for his bat. And and I, I personally think his defense is undervalued. But uh, last year, um, three point three war, two forty three, three forty nine, four sixty six with twenty two home runs at the catcher position. Uh, 21% K rate, 9% walk rate. Uh, like he's a really good hitter. And so there's with the way that the catcher position has been and just the lack of like true superstar level talent at the position outside of like JT Ramuto in the last couple of years that's been on the free agent market. It like this is the most intriguing catcher we've seen on the market in a long time. Yeah, and just a side note on him, this season when he was able to not have to catch like every single game, he got a lot of DH time. He was like very good as a hitter. He's good enough to be like playing some other position like left field or first base or DH part of the time. And maybe you don't have to play him at catcher every day. He's that good of a hitter. And that might even like increase his value. Yeah, and so that's why, like, and I'm going to end up talking about the Cardinals again. That's why, like, a lot of Cardinals fans really want Wilson Contreras on the team is because, like, teams that have young catchers who are in the system that they want to try and see if they can make it at the major league level, like the Cardinals do with Yvonne Herrera, kind of Andrew Kisner, although I kind of think Kisner's on the way out if they get another backstop. Um it allows you to use him in that DH role more often. It allows you to bring up a young catcher who's still in the minors, get him some playing time, but still have Willie there if you really, if you need a true leader major league catcher. So a lot of teams will see that and 
I think those are the teams that are the best fit is a team that has another good defensive catcher. Yeah. Um, a team oh. like the Astros, if they still have Martin Maldonado. They do. So um, one, one other fit that I was thinking of was the twins. The Gary experiment didn't really work out this year. So bringing Wilson to pair with uh, Ryan Jeffers, you've got a nice little one, two punch there. That will work out pretty well. Yeah, that'd that'd be a great fit. Um, now the question is, does he want to go even farther north to play in an outdoor stadium? He'll run through the wall for, for his team. You know that. Yeah. All right, so we've gone through the top 10 free, free agents here. I'm sure we'll be doing more free agent stuff here in the coming weeks uh, as the signings start to pour in um, any other closing thoughts on, on these top free agents or anything else you want to talk about? Uh, we obviously didn't talk about all the free agents. Um, there's a bunch of other really interesting guys on the market, uh, different positions. You've got like guys like Chris Bassett guys like, Jose Abreu that maybe you're on the older end, older end. Um, we'll try and get to a couple of them here in the next couple weeks as they start signing. But like, I don't know it. it this is interesting because it feels like the top end of this free agent market could be one of the better ones we've had in a long time. I, I mean, you had in 2019, 2018, uh, the Bryce and Manny, free agent market 2019. Yeah. But this is maybe the most complete where you've got guys at different positions. It's just a lot on the older side. So I, I think this is going to be a really fun off season. Uh, I think we are primed for some really, really good episodes here in the coming weeks as we start seeing the winter meetings, some big trades, um, all these guys signed. So make sure to come back and hang out with us. And if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and YouTube and hit that notification bell. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, make sure you don't miss any uh, future episodes. Let us know your thoughts in the comments, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, on Twitter and Facebook at Getaway Day Pod. And we'll talk to you next time.